Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Stewart, and welcome to my podcast. Each week, we will talk about how to live our lives in God's fullness. My goal is to encourage, equip, and empower you. I have included show notes that highlight the points of this message. You can also find all the information on my website, cindy-stewart.com. I am so excited about sharing this journey with you. So let's begin. Okay, guys, so I'm excited to be here this morning. Uh, Chuck and I had a great time in Atlanta with our family last week. Uh, We don't get to go up there as often as we'd like to, but it was so much fun just to be able to hang out with the grandkids and with my my siblings and uh, all of our kids. It was a lot of fun, Uh, but a couple of fun things happened. Uh, I went to, uh, no, I'm ready for my picture now. So I went to the, uh, his name is Flowing Oil. And I don't know if y'all have heard about that. It was on, uh, that's not it, but he'll find it. But uh, it's in Dalton, Georgia. And uh, when I had done a conference with Sid Roth, he, he was telling me about them, about how they had, the, their Bible just started leaking oil. And they didn't know what to do, so they went and got a... Now, this is in Dalton, Georgia. So it's a very small little town in Dalton. And they went and got a a five-gallon bucket over at Home Depot because they didn't know what to do. So they took the Bible and they put it in the five-gallon bucket. And, uh, And it just kept filling up. And it's about halfway full. And uh And he said that the Lord told him not to sell it that they were to travel all over the country and bless other people with it. And the more they blessed people, the more it would multiply. So I had to go see it for myself. So I went up there, and they had moved from their church into the little local theater. And it's so funny to be in a small town, being from Georgia, because it is just totally out of their realm. you know. And they have people coming from all over the world to get oil to see this phenomenon of God. And, you know, I don't think it's so much about the oil as it is about God wants us to know that they are, that there's a manifest presence of him. There's a sign and a wonder. And he took the Bible out and he wrung it out over the bucket. And then he went around and started praying. He put the Bible on people's heads and started praying over them, which was, which was pretty interesting too. It was a lot of fun. But um, people are just coming from all over. And then in Dawsonville, Georgia, which I did not come, that's him praying. I couldn't get a picture of the oil, but it's like like a little paint bucket just filled with oil. But when you open up the Bible, none of the ink is smeared. None of the writing within the Bible that he's written in there is smeared. And you can watch it on Sid Roth, uh, his Sid Roth show. They have a whole, they are interviewing him. But it's really interesting. And then in Dawsonville, Georgia, which is not far from there, they've had some phenomenon with their baptismal. And when people go in, they come out healed. So God is just, these are like these little fires that God is, is, is displaying across the country, across the world, to attract people to himself. You know, it's not about the water. It's not about the oil. It's really about people seeking after the the presence of God. So anyhow, it was really interesting. It was a lot of fun. I took my sister-in-law with me, and now she has people saying, will you take me up? 
I told her, I said, she's going to be like Catherine Coleman in the bus ministry where people are driving up to, to the buses. But it was really interesting. So um, thought I'd share that with you guys. And uh, I brought back, they only give you like a little tiny thing. So I brought some back and put some in some different containers and gave them to people. But so I lost mine. When I was here Thursday night, I was I had it out. I had it on, you know, my my chair. So when we prayed for people, we were going to anoint them with oil. I lost it. I looked through my purse three times. And I, it's not like I carry a small purse. I carry a big purse. I emptied it out. I emptied out my makeup bag several times. Even this morning, I looked through thinking, what the heck could I have done with that thing? So then when I opened up my makeup bag to get out my lipstick, my little oil is sitting right on top. And I told God, I said, it is not good for you to mess with me that early in the morning. Because <laughs> then you go through the, did I miss it? No, I emptied everything out several times. You know, but it's just, God is just so funny. He, I think he likes to just see, are we really paying attention? Do we really uh, have what, can we really notice when he's doing these crazy things? And it did throw me off a little bit. I, I was like a little wrecked in my office going, you think about this, but uh, and that's how I feel like this season has been. This has been a season of unknown. This has been a season of I'm almost sure that I don't know what's going on. I, I'm definitely positive about that because you know you get in these, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to go to Ephesians one, so you can turn there. But you get in these little places where. You're in the groove and you feel like you're in that right season with God and you know what's coming next. And then all of a sudden there's this shift where you are no longer in the groove. It doesn't mean that you, you stop doing something. It just means what you normally do doesn't feel the same way as it did. And what he has for you doesn't look the same way that it did i mean so much so i was looking at i do goals for the year and then i divide them up by quarters and then i work on them uh deb kofer and i do it the same way almost right but we but you know we work on them so my goal for second quarter i had done them at the first of the second quarter which i think was april right yes so i was looking at them the other day and i'm flipping through thinking i just don't really know if i know my why anymore I'm not really sure about these goals. And I looked at them, and one of the goals that I had listed had occurred, and I didn't even recognize that it was a fulfilled goal that I was trying to accomplish. That's how discombobulated this season is. And I feel like God is stretching us in such a way that we can't quite, you know how when you move to a different place or you start a new job, something different happens in your life, you have to adjust. And that's what I feel like. I feel like God is doing like such a stretch on us that we're having to adjust. And I've gotten out of my routine and now I'm trying to figure out is there a new routine or do I just go with the flow every day because I'm not really sure. And I know there's others of you that feel the same way, that God is making some changes in your life. And it's not that you can identify it's this change. It's just like suddenly everything looks and smells and feels differently. So that's what I feel like has been going on. And I shared a little bit of this when we did our revival experiment. And on Thursday night, some of you guys were here. But, um, you know, this whole revival experiment is something that we can't explain. We don't, we can't define. Every time we meet, God does something different. So this past Thursday night, God just began to move like a wave from the back of the room forward. 
And we just had this in throne room worship and people were being touched and getting visions. People shared what God was doing in them. And it was amazing to see just the diversity of how God speaks to us uniquely as well as the similarity of God calling us to himself. And so I don't know what's going to happen the next time we do it, but with having um, the event on June 14th, um, it's all about, and then Rodney Howard Brown, it's all about just being open to what God wants to do. Because it's not normally we would something we would have normally done, but we felt like that there was momentum on what, you know, People were coming to us inviting us to do this. And with Rodney Howard Brown, we have been praying for an expansion of evangelism. And you'll get your monthly uh, updates in the email or there's some back there. Did you already say that? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, he feels he's been called to go to 300 cities and release the fire of the Holy Spirit for evangelism. And it's such perfect timing because Ashley is going to start doing our evangelism outreach starting the Saturday after uh, Rodney Howard Brown comes. She's going to do a little teaching on that Saturday morning, and then she's going to take us all out, like in the streets. And we'll see what God wants to do. But, you know, isn't God funny how he unfolds the timing of things? So while I was in Atlanta, Karen sent me a text, and she said... um, If you knew Jesus was coming back in 10 years, would you do anything differently? That was the text. And I thought about it, and I talked to Chuck about it. We talked about it a little bit, and I didn't really have anything. You know, I was like, would I do anything differently? Would I think differently? I just didn't have a response from God. And then uh, I felt like God told me to start reading Ephesians, and I hit this Ephesians 1-3, and I'm going to read that part, and then we're going to read more of Ephesians. But I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. I'm going to go between the Amplified and the Passion, but I want to read this one out of the Passion. It says, everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our, heavenly, our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us in Christ. This is why we praise him with all of our hearts. And that's out of the Passion Translation. I'll read it out of the other one too, just so you'll hear the difference. Blessed and worthy of praise be the God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. That's out of the Amplified. So when we think about that, as soon as I read that, I thought, it's really not about doing something different. It's really about understanding what my identity is for me understanding who I am in Christ understanding what is it that God has planned for me in order whether he comes back tonight in the morning 10 years from now doesn't make any difference to me because if I uh, if I'm living in the presence of who he is in me and who he's called me to be then the uh, out the outcome of that will everything I do will reflect him so I was really thinking about this, and it made me think of that scripture out of Matthew 7:21. This is, um, and I'm just going to read it. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read it to you. It says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven." 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and have done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So how can they practice lawlessness if they're doing it all in his name? It's because they don't know who he is. Because their identity is not found in him. So I want to go through Ephesians a little bit and just talk about what is our identity? What does it mean to be fully, like it says in Ephesians 3, what does it mean to have every thing that heaven contains available to us do you wake up in the morning and think i have everything that heaven contains available to me everything in heavenly places i have total access to because the father loves me and he sees me in christ so i am fully equipped for whatever he wants me to do I know I don't always wake up that way, but I want to. Because if Jesus is coming back in 10 years, I want to live out of that truth that everything, not this thing or that, but everything has been available, has been made available to me. So let's let's look at Ephesians a little bit. And we're just going to talk a little bit about this because, you know, how many of you feel like there's been a major shift in your life where there's a level of uncertainty there's a certainty in Christ, but uncertainty in what tomorrow brings or the next day brings. Where there's a surprise awaiting for you that God has for you that you want until you get it. And then you're like, what's going on here? Then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did ask for this, right? That's right. I do want this, right? But it, what happens is it comes at such a suddenly that you don't even recognize that it's something you desired till an hour or a day or a week later. Or you look back in your journal going, yeah, I asked for that. That's right. That's good, God. Thanks. Thanks for keeping up with my list because obviously I can't keep up with it. So let's, <laughs> it's true. I mean, think about it. You know, we're so aware of what is in the natural that God is moving around us in the spiritual realm all the time. And we just aren't always aware of what he's doing for us and through us. Let's start in verse 2. And I'm, I'm going to read out of my Amplified in this. It says, Grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed and worthy of praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What are those spiritual blessings? I mean, we could, I bet we could search scripture and find thousands of spiritual blessings in here. We're going to talk about a few of them, but just think about, you know, from the beginning of time when God created us in his image. That's a spiritual blessing, that we look like him. Verse 4, just as in his love he chose us in Christ actually selected us for himself as our as his own before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy that is consecrated set apart for him purpose driven and blameless in his sight i mean even just the first part of verse 4 in his love he chose you he chose me 
He selected us as his own before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless. And there's a scripture out of, um, um, what's the name of that verse? Out of uh, Thessalonians, I just want to read about being blameless. And just hang on there real quick. I thought I printed it out, but I didn't. It's Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. And 24, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. That is, separate you from profane and vulgar things. Make you pure and whole and undamaged. Consecrated to him and set apart for his purpose. So that's what being holy and blameless is about. And for his purpose. And may your spirit... Your soul and your body be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's saying that it's going to be found blameless at the coming, which means we would be blameless before he gets here. So we're not waiting on something to become something. He's already given it to us to be. He's given us every power that we need to become holy and blameless every single day. Even when we make mistakes. There's, there's repentance that takes care of the mistake. That clears up the sin. So we are holy and blameless. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. Whatever we do, we have the power to take care of it immediately. We don't have to wait so that in that instant, once it's taken care of, we are holy and blameless completely. That's powerful. That God would even trust us with that. You know, think about it. That God's decided he's going to trust us with the power to keep ourselves holy and blameless. Because the spirit lives in us and the spirit tells us when we've stepped out so that we can instantly take care of it. Verse 5. He predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children through Jesus Christ. In accordance with the kind and intention of good pleasure and good pleasure of his will. So we are the good pleasure of his will. As his children, we are adopted in. And once adopted, he doesn't disown us. We we are his children. So we are adopted in. And through that adoption, it it satisfies his good pleasure. It satisfies his will that he has children that he loves with an everlasting love. That he loves us beyond what we're even able to comprehend. That is who God is. And he did it all through his son. So this is all about identity. This Ephesians first part is all about identity. Verse 6, it says, To the praise of his glorious grace and favor, which he so freely bestowed upon us in the beloved, his son, Jesus Christ. In him we have redemption, that is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, 
which paid for the penalty for our sins and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. I mean, just think of those words. They're so full. They're so juicy. His blood paid for everything. And it gives us a complete pardon. Think about the pardons that, you know, an outgoing president gives. You know, right before he goes out of office, there's like all these pardons. These get out of jail frees. For people, you know, you're thinking, why would he pardon him? Jesus gave us a complete pardon. Where we do not have to worry about our sin. Because Jesus' blood has paid for it. It doesn't mean that we have permission to sin. What it means is that Jesus has given us a way out so we don't have to sin. And when we do, there's an immediacy to the remedy of our sin. So good. Verse 8, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding with practical insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. With regard to the fulfillment of times, oh, I'm going to stop there for a minute. You know, First Corinthians talks about how God has let, given us the mystery of his will. It talks about how the Holy Spirit that lives in us reveals the will of the Father to us. That all things that the Father has for us is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. So if we need wisdom, James says, we just ask for it. If we need a revelation through the Holy Spirit, God will give it to us. Verse 10, with the regard to the fulfillment of time, that is the end of history, the climax of the ages to bring all things together in Christ. Both things in the earth, I mean, both things in heaven and things on earth. Now, I want to read this out of the Passion Translation because it's a little bit different. It says, And this detailed plan that God has given us through the Holy Spirit will reign supreme through every period of time and to the fulfillment of all ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. So this plan that God has will be revealed to us until Christ comes home to take us with him. It will be revealed to us. You know, every, every generation has thought Christ is coming back in their generation. How many people think Christ is coming back in this generation? I mean, our generations, what it is, it's the hope that we see that fulfillment of Christ in our generation. It's the hope. You know, every generation, in fact, I know you guys probably remember, you know, in the year 2000, he was coming back. And then August 9th, something, something, you know, you get these dates. And it's the hope that we are here to see the fulfillment of Christ. So we all think that we, we're going to get to see it. We all hope that we get to see it. However, even if we don't, the fulfillment of his plan will, made, will be made uh, available to us. What we need for this season will be given to us. 
so that we're able to accomplish our assignment in this season. We want to accomplish our assignment. We don't want to get distracted by the things of the world or the things that uh, take our attention. But we want to be in that full will of God. And God says that that is possible. God says it's possible. If you don't know the will of God, we can go to the word. It'll tell us what the will of God is. When people say, I don't know what the will of God is for my life, they can go to the word and find out what the will of God is for my life. Does that mean they'll know whether they're going to, you know, turn to the right or turn to the left today? Maybe not. But what they know is God's will for them is to be holy and blameless. God's will for them is to know him. Because out of the knowing God, that gives us the strength and the courage to step in places that are unknown to us. It gives us the strength and the courage to risk when things look a little bit scary to us. God has his will written out for us. And in that knowing Christ, it gives us the day-to-day courage and confidence to step forward. And that's, that's the joy of God. I mean, that's, that is, that is his great blessing to us is he has lavished on us everything we need. We are not without. He's lavished it upon us. Verse 11. In him we have also received an inheritance. Who's received an inheritance from Christ? Everybody. Everybody raise their hand because it says we have. You know, part of part of uh, this life that we're leaving, leaving is about shifting our mindset. Because if it says everyone, then that's everyone. And sometimes we just need our mind to shift with the truth of what the word says. Because we can read it and say, oh, that's for everyone except for me. Instead of saying that's for everyone, including me. So that's my declaration. In fact, Ephesians is one of the best books to go through and just make your own declarations. Just changing the pronouns to I instead of us. And there's such power in it. In him, I have received an inheritance. A destiny. having Having been predestined, chosen and appointed beforehand according to the purpose of him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ, who first put our confidence in him, our Lord and Savior, would exist to the praise of his glory. Think about that. You exist to the praise of his glory. In John, it talks about that Jesus answers our prayers. It says, whatever you ask for in my Father's name, I mean, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give it to you because it brings glory to him. So when we ask, he answers because there's glory that is released. He's glorified when that answer comes. 13, in him you have also heard The word of truth, the good news of your salvation. And as a result, believe in him. We're stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. 
The Spirit is the guarantee of the first installment, the pledge and the foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, us, to the praise of his glory. Think about that. I mean, there's so much richness out of this. Not only does it talk about the revelation and the wisdom that God's given us, it talks about how our eyes are enlightened by that spirit of revelation. Verse 17, it says, I pray the, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep, personal, and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. That's what we all want. We want that deep, personal insight of who Christ is. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded by light, by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power in us who believe. You believe you have power. You believe you have intimacy. You know, which is easier to do the works or to have the intimacy? We all know it's easier to do something than to sit. It's easier to go out and wash the windows than come and say, Jesus, how do you feel about this? It's just easier. Acts are easier. But God is saying the acts are important, but the acts don't benefit you if there's no intimacy to go along with it. The acts are just things that you do for me instead of things that you do out of me. There's a big difference there. You know, when we do for him, he appreciates it. But when we do it out of him, it carries a whole different level of power. It carries a whole different level of presence. You know, I I was listening to Chris Ballatin um, a couple days ago, and he was talking about relationships. He was talking about uh, marriage and children and all those different things. But he ended the the very last sentence, I think, of his message was about if if your family is whole, then what you're really doing is jealous evangelism. I was like, boy, that phrase really caught me. And, and I was thinking, that's what we want to be. We want to be so entrenched and intimate and filled with the presence of God and have that deep relationship with him that people are jealous for what we have. So it is a jealousy That they want Christ in us. It's a type of evangelism that make people come up to you and say, so what is different about you? Why are you happy when all things are all around? How can you pray for someone and they get healed? How did you give me that word about that hidden thing that no one knew but uh, and you didn't know? And how could you tell me that? That makes them jealous for God. That, that's an evangelism that we don't go around publicizing. Oh, we have jealousy evangelism. 
Because it sounds so bad. It sounds bad. Oh, I just make people jealous for Jesus. You know, it's, I mean, that sounds so yucky. But when he said it, I thought, really, that is what we're doing. We're hoping to be so immersed in the presence and relationship and fellowship of Christ that people come running toward us, even though they don't understand why they want to know us. Have you ever been into a store and someone comes up to you and starts talking to you and you're like, I don't really know you. But it's because of who you carry that they're just desperate to find out, what are you buying? Are you buying whole eggs or organic eggs or premixed eggs? They don't even care about the eggs. They're just trying to figure out what is it that attracts me to you. That That is jealous evangelism. Because they are hungering for something they see. And, and they're bull and they're stepping out of their comfort zone to come and approach you to say what do you have oh you have eggs what else do you have well i have jesus you know it's so funny that we are we're really oblivious to a lot of this i know i'm oblivious to a lot of it you know when people want to talk to me i'm like huh awesome great yeah and sometimes you don't even realize till you're halfway home is like i think that was a divine appointment but I was so busy getting my grocery list that I completely missed what we were trying to do. Uh, something happened funny the other day. I was I was talking and I, I actually called somebody by the wrong name. And I knew it was the wrong name. But all I could hear was a name being said in my head. But I didn't put together that God was wanting me to give them a word. I was just trying to connect with them. And I called them by the wrong name. And then afterwards, I realized that God had this whole word for them. And later I went to them and I said, you know, I I know I called you by the wrong name because I've known you for a long time. I know what your name is. But what happened was God was trying to talk to me while I was trying to talk to you. And I was not putting the two connectors together. I just kept thinking, why did I call her by the wrong name? You know, because I just missed that subtle moment of the spirit trying to speak to me. Well, I'm trying to talk to them. You know, they say women are much more uh, multitask. Well, apparently I skipped that afternoon. I did not, did not come out. But I just missed what was happening. And God wants us to be so entrenched in him that those little subtle waves we don't miss. Because we're so used to that whisper of his voice that we just lean in instead of continuing on. And obviously, I'm still in practice in that. I'm still in practice. But, you know, it is those fun little things that God does for us. And he wants us to be so deep with him that we don't miss not only that intimacy and that relationship with him, but we don't miss that sweet whisper when he's calling us to release it to someone else. And that's, that's you know, that to me is what... This whole thing was about that Karen asked me about. If Jesus came back, what would I do? And actually, um, this week, I ha- every not every day, but when it wears off, I do. I've written what Jesus wants me to rem- remember. It's my uh, prison tattoo here. <laughs> it's Magic Market 1-3. Just remember Ephesians 1-3. That everything I need has been provided for me from heavenly places. Because what does God see me? When he sees me, he sees Christ. So when, when all of us, we are hidden in Christ, that is what the word says. 
So when he sees Christ, he sees you, and he sees you, and he sees you, and he sees you. He sees each one of us. We're all unique. We're all different. We're not a big glom of people that he's like, which one is that one? No. He's like, that is my child. And when I see my son... I see her right in the middle of his heart. That's what he sees. And that's what he wants us to know. And that's what he wants us to remember. All the external stuff is that. It's external. And it's important. Because he gives us a great commission that we're to go out. We're to heal the sick. We're to raise the dead. We're to cast out demons. We're to cleanse the leopards. We're to preach the gospel. He's given us the commission to go. But he didn't say, go without me. He said, do all those things from me because I live in you. And that's what we want to remember is the fullness that we need has already been poured out on us. And when the father sees you, he sees Christ surrounding you because you are hidden in him. So just think about that. Think about the, the uh, you know, our external Great intellects have a hard time understanding what real spiritual life looks like. But the good news is the Holy Spirit is teaching us because that's what he does. He teaches us what it looks like every day to live out of the fullness of Christ and what he's given to us. Amen. Okay, I think that's what we're going to wrap that up. We're going to have communion this morning, but what we're going to do this morning, we're going to do a little bit different. I'm going to ask everybody to come up and get their little cup and um, wafer. I couldn't think of what they were called. And then take a seat, and we're going to do it all together in a different manner. So when you get ready, don't get ready. Just come on up and get one. And, uh, and we'll get ready together is what I'm trying to say. We're just going to get ready together. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read a little section, and it's out of the power of communion. It's just so powerful, and we're just going to pray through it together. So let me just read this, and then we'll go from there. It says, uh, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. And as they were eating, he said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved... And extremely distressed, each one of them began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus answered, He who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man is to go to the cross, just as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And Judas the betrayer said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And what we're going to do before we take and eat the bread is we're going to spend a little time uh, just examining ourselves, see if there's anything we need to repent from, ask forgiveness from, because we want all of this cleared before we take communion. And we also remember that you know, by his body, we are healed. So let us just spend a few minutes in prayer. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, 
we are healed. And I just want to declare this over you before we take the bread. Your body, so just receive this. Your body, your soul, your spirit will be well in the name of Jesus. You will walk in well-being. He died for you. He died for me. Jesus, come. Thank you for your broken body. Right here, there, right here, there are people who need your healing touch. I declare healing into your body, into your soul, into your spirit by the power of Jesus, that you would walk in total well-being. Thank you, Jesus, that you are no respecter of persons. Everyone can come to the table. We thank you and honor you, Jesus. So take the bread. Hold your cup, and I'm going to read the scripture, and then we're going to pray for a minute. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray for all of our family members to come to Jesus before we take the cup. We're going to stand in proxy for them. Lord, we pray for every one of our family members, ones that do not know you at all or even deny you, and ones that have kind of strayed away from you. God, we just uh, call them forward. We are taking your blood, the blood of salvation, the forgiveness of sins. We are taking it not only for ourselves, but for our family, that, that they too will know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior over their life. So we just thank you, Jesus, for your payment for us all. So we take the cup. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just thank you that we are completely covered in your blood. And right now, in this moment, we are holy and blameless before you. So we just thank you and honor you, Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you don't mind. And I'm going to challenge everybody to, you know, take that word of if Jesus returned in 10 years, uh, what would he want my life to be what you know what change would he want in my life and he may not want anything what awareness would he want me to make and i'm just going to challenge you guys to you know uh take it mark it down write it keep it right in front of you because i do believe this is such a season of of god inviting us into a deep holy place with him so father we just thank you that we're all in we are all in and uh, we don't know what all in looks like but we are So we are just grateful that you know what it looks like and you're going to guide us and you're going to protect us and you're going to fill us up and uh, encourage us. God, you're going to connect us to the people that we need to be connected to. And God, your voice is going to be so clear inside of us that it's going to be easier for us to sit in your presence than it is to go out and act. So, God, we just thank you that um, you've promised us it all. And you've poured out every spiritual blessing we need from heavenly places in Christ.
So we just uh, look for the more of you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you guys. If you'd like prayer, we're here to pray for you. And we're excited. Thank you so much for listening. For more podcasts like this and to connect with me, go to my website, cindy-stewart.com. And remember, you are the best investment you can make.